Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now What's up, and welcome to another exciting edition of Bearded B-Roll. I'm Kyle. And I'm Mike, just two bearded dudes here to chat about all the movies you love, hate, don't mind, or simply never heard of. Alright, hello and welcome back to another episode of Bearded B-Roll. Today we've got Hump Day Horror, and we are talking with Hilton Ariel Ruiz about Zombie with a Shotgun from 2019. What's up, guys? How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Great to have you. Thanks for coming. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. So we're going to get started with some questions. We want to get to know, who would you say is your greatest influence as a filmmaker? Uh, I would say really Scott. Okay. Yeah, those, those are the films that really, um, you know, when being young, uh, look, you know, continue to study them and look at them and just, you know, even to this day, it's just unbelievable. I mean, there, there's always a filmmaker out there that has their gem that you always look at and everything. And I think every director has that gem. Um, and I, I could, you know, uh, David Korenberg is also one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could always go back to him, but I would say like a really Scott film. I think uh had to do a lot with my older siblings that, you know, worshiped him and watched it every <laughs> time. And I was so young and I just remember just kept on watching Blade Runner and, you know, rewind, fast forward, rewind, you know, so I think that had to do a lot with it as well. Yeah, Blade Runner was a good one. What would you say is your favorite David Cronenberg film? Oh, uh, The Dead Zone. Okay, yeah. I was going to go with Videodrome. Videodrome is, is, is up there, but uh, Dead Zone to me, it's, uh, I love it. It's just something about it. It's just, it just, I don't know, I just love it. I don't think I've seen that one. I'm not going to lie, I haven't watched it. I read the book twice, but I have actually never watched the movie. Wait, is that the book that you gave me? Yeah, that gave you one of my copies of it. Yeah, I started reading that a while ago. (laughs) So can we see Ridley Scott's influence in Zombie with a Shotgun? Uh, I think you can, uh, especially with the lighting. Um, There are certain things that we uh, try to do, um, especially when we were doing sort of uh, the basement. We wanted a a noir feel scene, Mm -hmm. a couple of scenes in uh, Zombie with a Shotgun, and we wanted to play that sort of like, play with that light. Let, Let the light be its own character in the film, and we're in... You know, a lot of uh, really Scott's films, especially in Blade Runner, mm-hmm. lighting was, was its own character. Um, and we, we definitely try to, um, you know, do that with some of the scenes that were, were shot, taken in the very dark uh, locations in, in the film where we wanted that noir style as well. So I would say, yes, we'd see it. You know, we're not going to watch it and say, oh, you know what, that's, you know, but yes, you'll, you'll, you know, th- th- there are... Of course, taking that sort of, uh, um, you know, that element of having that lighting talk for itself was, was 
we, we've tried our hardest to push into the film. Yeah, I, I did notice that in a lot of the basement shots you had. A lot of these shots were very uh, claustrophobic too, which I, I guess was meant to be a feeling you get when you watch it just because it's in such a small space, right? Yes, absolutely. The location we used also, you know, we, we you know, lighting was also an issue, you know, of how much lighting we should have for, for the set. You know, one of the one of the things also, um, that's pretty interesting. And I think I never even um, covered this before. I've done so many podcasts. And this is the first time that um, never even mentioned this. A, a lot of the times, like the, the locations, that, like you said, was very, you know, claustrophobic. Everyone, you felt like kind of like, oh my God, you're in this tight little space. A lot of it is also because it was dangerous. Uh, the location was, you know, very, you know, old and having too much lights could cause a fire. So we had to make sure that, you know, we don't want that situation. And it, it, we were doing the hottest, uh, that first week we shot was the hottest week of that year. And it was like five days in a row that was 100 degrees. And it just, it was just not good timing. We just, it, it was just, I wouldn't call it bad luck. It was just, that's how it went. And it was, uh, the amazing thing about that is that you don't see it in the actors. You don't see it, you, you know, uh, you definitely feel the tense and everything. That could, the, the heat could have played a lot of part w- with that. Being very hot, everybody was sweaty, everybody was frustrated. A lot of people were angry. And the amazing thing is when we, action, no one showed it. I was going to say that. I didn't notice anybody really looking very hot when they were filming it. Is that the reason the main character is in a, uh, like a tank top? Correct. Yeah. I mean, it, that was probably the best, you know, um, the other reason why he was in tank top, when we did the web series, he was also in a tank top. We try to keep it true to the web series mm-hmm. as much as we possibly can, but it definitely worked. It benefited for, you know, it being so hot in New York city. Um, but yeah, it, it uh, again, behind the scenes, um, it was just amazing that again, I, I can't even believe it when you look back of how, how frustrating is that shoot was so frustrating. Uh, because it was just, even when we're closing the doors, it, you know, it was 100 outside. So you could imagine it was like 110 in the room with the light. So, yeah, I, I mean, you know, and, and that's, you know, to answer the question, what you were saying is that, you know, a lot of the scenes was claustrophobic, and, and we, we try not to, you know, uh, we try to be safe as possible. And yeah. Did that, did that anger any of the actors? I know there's like yeah. a story with like Toby Hooper and like the first, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, where someone didn't want to take off their makeup, so they spent like 24 hours locked in a room in Texas in like 120 heat with like similar similar situation. Yeah, you know, uh, you know, uh, I don't, you know, yeah, I, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to mention names. There was big, there there were issues. Okay. There were some issues. Uh, I get it. Um, you know, I, I, I'm and under the conditions, you know, me being the filmmaker, the director, you don't even, you know, sometimes you're just so into the project, you're so zoned, you're not realizing what really is going on with, with around you. So I kind of get it. And yeah, there was a lot of frustration. There was a lot of, uh, you know, uh, prima donna situations. At least you're not like Stanley Kubrick taking like 80 individual takes on something in, yeah, in 110 degree yeah, weather, right? Crazy. <laughs> so speaking of like, how the locations were a little bit more dangerous and like older and stuff. Did you, did you go out and like scope those out and get like permits for them? Or were you doing it kind of like guerrilla style? We did everything guerrilla style. Um, the location is so interesting. Uh, um, so location that we had, um, this is also pretty cool. 
I had an office in, you know, in Lower East Side Manhattan, which was also my apartment there. And I used it for everything, my apartment, my work, my studio, everything. And we shot a lot of locations there. But next to my apartment off slash office was an abandoned building that it was it was it was used for renting for, you know, warehouse. But on the second floor of that place was was destroyed. It, it that's how it looked. So I was able to use that location next to the building with permission. So when we were shooting for those locations, we just went right next door. And it saved a lot of money, saved a lot of time. And it surely looked like it was a whole different location, nowhere close to like... So it was amazing. So we had a lot of the actors and actresses' equipment and cameras and makeup and clothes right next door. So we would tell them, hey, go next door. When we're ready, we'll call you. We'll, we'll, we'll get somebody to send you. Come right next door. Come up the stairs, and we'll you know we'll do the whole scene. So that helped a lot. Also, the 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 sit down also was in that location, and the basement scene with the police was also in the uh, in the same building that my apartment in that location as well. So we saved. And let me tell you, thank God, because of that being so hot, that weather, just moving. Equipment to equipment would have been just took a toll on, on, on the crew. And then, yeah, we, sh- we, we shot in other locations, of, of course, but that mainly closophobic location was right next door for me. So you were just scouting locations while you had your morning coffee and read the paper? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and me, you know, I, I know, like, for example, some of the drone shots, I knew exactly that was the Brooklyn Navy Yard. I, I, I you know, spoke to my drone guy, I said there was this place I, I scouted there. Um, you know, and, and I grew up also in, you know, that area, which is sort of Chinatown. So a lot of the driving scenes, which is very, very hard to shoot driving scenes in New York City with so much noise and everything. But mm-hmm. me growing up there, I knew where you can drive and there is not a lot of traffic, especially down Lower East Side, Manhattan and Chinatown. There's not a lot of traffic there because it's, it's all apartments. So no one's like really coming to stores and stores, you know, shopping and everything. So I knew those areas. And then a couple of scenes we did shoot out out east in Long Island. And uh, so, yeah, it, it was sort of planned uh, already as when I was writing the script because I was like, hey, look, we have to use uh, locations that we can, you know, we can basically use for free. We didn't have to use permits. And then my friend who owns um, uh, a building in Alphabet City, we use that for the rooftop. So I didn't need a permit for that as well. So I used his building, the chasing up the stairs, up to the rooftop. So I made sure that let's get this, make this smooth as possible. Let's use all the locations that I know that I can get permission without. And, and when we shot in nighttime, we just went guerrilla style. That's awesome. Sounds like you were being very uh, thrifty and, and, and cost uh, yes, motivated. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, it, it, was, it was cool too because, you know, not a lot of zombie, especially horror films, are shot in New York City. Um, and I definitely wanted that to be sort of like a backdrop, you know, as obviously you knew it was in New York City. You don't get a lot of horror films or even zombies, you know, slash horror films done in New York City because no. it's so expensive. Yeah, usually it's like like an overhead shot of like a bunch of CG zombies and then wherever the movie's actually taking place, like somewhere south. Yes, yes. And, and we tried our best. And even with, even, you know, talking about the sequel, we we discussed that, you know, we definitely want to use more locations where... We would have to go up the you know the route to get permits and stuff. It's very you know it's very hard for some locations. We might have to do some grill style on some of them, but we definitely want to use more of the locations uh, and hopefully that that can work. Is the web series filmed in a similar way? 
Uh, it's it's the, the the web series are very short. They're like you know, uh, four to five minutes. They're sort of a similar way. We use a lot the same location, but um, they're they're very you know short, smooth, and and uh, atmospheric kind of thing. But nothing. Um, of course, when we did the feature, we did much more. You know, much more dialogue and story to go with it and everything like that. But it it um, okay. as the web series, we know that's what launched the um the feature film where the, where the first uh, episode went viral. So um, that was, uh, this definitely was cool. So uh, I don't know if this is like a uh, private personal question, but I am curious about what the budget was for this film. Uh, you know, uh, um, I, I, according to what, you know, my, one of my producers, we, we, we tend to keep it a little bit quiet on that one. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, without, without divulging numbers, where, where would you say the, actual bulk of the filmmaking costs went if you had to categorize it uh, i had to categorize it um mm, look uh, i would say um makeup and just you know feeding everyone <laughs> oh yeah that would be a you big know, chunk that was of the bulk of everything you know um but a lot of the makeup definitely you know we had to get the makeup right especially for that last scene a lot of the makeup went to that and I and I think that the way we use the budget, we definitely use the budget very cautiously. Very, you know, you know, there wasn't really like one area where I can say went the most. You know, everything was sort of like equal, and uh, we made sure about that. Also, you know, obviously, we wish that we did get more of Aaron and makeup um, thing. Um, obviously, we we did run out of money. Mm-hmm. You know, the film ends the way it ends. It, it does feel like it was, you know, missing something, but we did run out of money. We had to save money for post-production. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we had to raise more money uh, to go into post-production. And, you know, I don't even have to tell you, that's another nightmare itself, you know, mm-hmm. getting an, uh, two editors and, you know, music. It, it was just, you know, very nightmarish. But I think that goes with mm-hmm. it, along with territory with any sort of like indie film project that when you know you do it yourself, and you know, you know, I think that comes with the territory, mm-hmm. and so that 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 I would say that nothing really, there was nothing that really um, one th- thing that went to, you know, it, it went out equal, you know, with the actors getting paid and 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 um, you know some locations we have to get money, but nothing really big that went through. Uh, we had to put much money into. So pretty pretty even spread of all yeah. the costs for for everything. Yeah, that's pretty cool and unique to hear from like a director though, because. You know, a lot of them won't be like, oh, well, you know, we had an issue with that. Like, their arrogance will, like, the big ones, they're like, no, 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 that's someone else's fault. <laughs> they're like, whatever. Like, they, they don't take the blame for anything. So that's that's really cool to hear. You're, like, down to earth. Yeah, 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 it is what it is. You know, the captain of the ship goes down. That's what I would say, you know. Is, uh, yeah, I'm the captain of the ship. If, if, you know, I sell down with it, you know, I go down, I have to go down with it, you know. Uh, um, and and that that is true. That is true. You got to respect that. If you're going to, you know, revel in the, in the success, you got to accept the failures, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, coulda, shoulda, woulda, it, it, it always comes down to it, you know, and, and, you know, I, I tell other filmmakers when they always say, oh, you know, we, uh, it would have went that way, but we had this issue. And I said, that's just how it is filmmaking. You know, it's yeah. just, you, uh, and you, you have to be prepared to change the script, the story, the location that, and, and doing Zombie with Shock, and we did it multiple times, the script changed like four to five times during the shoot because of actors couldn't make it. Actors got sick. Um, you know, location was not available. Um, last minute actor couldn't make it. And we're like, Oh man, 
Um, so, you know, I, and I, and I think, again, I think that goes to the whole territory. I mean, if, if it's funny where we started zombie with a shotgun, the, the, the original script and how it ended, it's totally different mm-hmm. okay. because we had no choice to change the story as it went by because of situations. Was the original script written with a budget in mind or was the original script like a balls to the wall? This is all the cool shit I want to happen in this movie kind no, of script. No, we could have done the film with the original budget. We, oh. It definitely could have been done. Um, actually, I know it would have been done. Um, it's just, you know, we just, you know, we had actors flying into New York and, you know, the last day of the shoot, the main actor had to go back home, you know, so we had to do it. Yeah. It wasn't like, okay, you know, you could stay an extra day. Oh, it was actually a couple guys had to go home the same day. Um, um, actually, we, no, matter of fact, I had told the actors to stay two days just in case. And mm-hmm. believe it or not, we did need those two days. And we actually shot on the very last day, two hours before they had to leave our final shot. And I was like, let's go. You guys going to miss your flight. Let's go. So we was rushing um, them to the airport. I wish we had them still, but we, we, we couldn't. Could, there was nothing we could have done. But yeah, that's just how it goes. All right. Well, let's talk about the actual movie for a little bit now. But uh, so what would you say was your favorite scene to film and why? Oh, uh, wow. Um, yeah, wow. I ne- you know, that is so funny. I never even thought about that. Um, and I don't think no one has ever asked me that question, and I never really thought about it. What was my favorite scene that I like shooting? Uh, you know, the, fine, the sit-down. The sit-down when you had everybody sitting down on the, on the table and everybody was discussing. Uh, I thought for, as a filmmaker... That was probably one of my biggest challenges, you know, because usually, you know, you shoot, and this is very crazy with us doing this in this sort of weather. But again, we didn't know it was going to be a hundred degrees. Well, you know, you're shooting two people in a, in a in a scene. It's okay, simple, you know, close up, medium, you know, you know, wide, whatever. You could play with it. Three people, okay. Four people, oh man, you're going a little bit too much here. I and then in this scene, we had seven. So just to be clear, though, we're talking about this scene where Mr. Yoshida is sort of showing his hand, right? Yes. Okay. Yes, Mr. Yoshida is here. You finally meet your Mr. Yoshida. Mr. Yoshida is telling him, you know, that, that how valuable Aaron is. So again, you have uh, seven people in this location. So we, in this one location, and for me, it was a challenge to figure out how to get every single person, you know, shot here here and there and and again for an indie film it's a little bit sort of a uh, overboard you know? mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and and um it was the it was fun because you know again I, that helped me i learned a lot about you know shooting multiple people in, in the scene and i thought it was just very crucial in the film this was the scene you know the turning point in the scene and um it was it was a time that i actually worked with everybody there you know and everybody was together and mm-hmm. everybody had a you know not saying a good time because it was really hot, but in some sort of way, it was a good time. You know, we, we, you know, everybody was there, all the actors, all the main characters. And it was, it was just, a, it was just a really, you know, cool scene to work with, you know, work with all the actors and talking to them. And it's very challenging. It was very hard. It was, don't get me, I mean, I'm, I'm not making it seem like it was fun, but it was, you know, 
sometimes the most challenging ones have the biggest payoff, so they're the most rewarding. Yeah, yeah, and and then watching it at the very end was a good, you know, big payoff. And you know, sometimes I laugh at the last scene where, you know, before Mister Yoshida says, you know, I got a helicopter waiting for you out there, and I just laugh like, yeah, right. You know, I just got a taxi cab, more like it. You know, <laughs> so you know, it just those things are just funny. But yeah, that that probably was my my favorite my favorite scene. Okay, I was also going to ask you what your least favorite scene is, but it sounds like everything where everybody was super hot was probably your least favorite scene to film. Yeah, there was, there was, um, the hottest scene, believe it or not. Wow. Top three hottest scenes. Uh, <laughs> and it wasn't comfortable. I would say the, the police officer coming in with the lawyer scene. Um, the lawyer did look pretty sweaty now that I'm thinking about it. And there was a reason why downstairs was a refrigerator um, generator there that was on. Mm. And we couldn't shut it off because it was used for commercial buildings around. And that generator compressor, that's what it was. The compressor was in the bottom, made the room even more hotter. And I think that that, um, contributed to the scene. A lot of the actors uh, lost their lines forgot their lines and it was it was very frustrating uh, and, and and i would have to say i won't say it was my least you know favorite but it was it wasn't comfortable it was the, the, it was not comfortable yeah I, I had a lot of problems with actors in that scene just say that what month was this filmed in was it like july August. oh okay yeah um on on the note of like like favorite scenes to to film what was like the favorite scene you had when you were writing it like in the script and did it make it into the movie or is that one of the ones that had to get cut Whoa, oh, good question. One of my favorite scenes did not make the cut. Okay. And writing one of my favorite scenes, writing in the film, would be the dream sequence of where you see Aaron and his uh, other zombie uh, friend there. Mm-hmm. It was just, it, it was it was something that um, a lot of people, no one really got it when they when they read the script. Like, why do you have this? I say, no, I just want it. I just I, this is something. <laughs> as me, you know what I mean? As a filmmaker, I, I, I do want to do something that's out of the box, something that's very unconventional, and something that I, I, I like to do. You know, it's, uh, and and um, you know, that's just what I wanted to do. And looking at it, I, I had fun writing it, and, and I was happy that we were able to do it. Um, but yeah, that was that was a cool cool little thing that um, I wrote in that. Uh, just for the fact that everybody was like, why do you have that? And I was like, eh, I have it. <laughs> like, this is the scene that's going to get people talking about metaphors yeah, yeah, and yeah. Uh, hidden meanings. I think Mike had questions about that too, because he's been asking me about that like all week. <laughs> he's been watching it. Yeah, yeah, that, that is a, a big question. But go ahead. Yeah, let me know. Well, okay, I'll elaborate on that. So there's a couple scenes where we see it's sort of misty, sort of hazy looking, and... Uh, there's this, I don't really know how to describe her, high priestess, maybe. And there's a couple uh, naked women with, I'm assuming, some type of runic symbols on them. And yeah. then there's the whole uh, heart thing, which you think is like a fantasy, sort of. But then the dude's actually sewing up his chest where his heart was taken out. Yeah. So I guess, is that is that like a metaphor that became reality? Or how, how should we read that in the context of this film? Uh... <laughs> Okay, there's a couple things in in the in, in the film that yeah, that was very um, unconventional, mm-hmm. um, and and I know I, like there is definitely was a connection with all of them. 
there was some sort of uh, an entanglement there, uh, a connection with all these these characters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the whole heart thing and everything became yes, it was became reality. But what what I was what I wanted to do is to have that be one of the main uh, storylines for the sequel. Okay. Okay. So that's like a setup. You can't right? give out too much yet. It's a setup and it's basically, and you know, it's not going to be, you know, I'll say it's not, it's not, not giving away the story, but Aaron needs his heart back. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it is the main focus uh, of the story, but not the main focus. But basically that's just basically just to let, because at the very end, he, he never got the heart back. That's true. Yeah. So this one was more like a big pharma government type enemy. And then the sequel is going to be more supernatural, maybe. Yeah, so there, there's two, there's, there's two things there: the big pharma, and then of course you had this whole supernatural kind of element coming in, uh, where we have this witch. Mm. Well, they're still coming after him yeah. at the yes, end, right? They're still coming after him. So you know, like I, I tell a lot of the, I tell a lot of the um, fans, and, and you know, they always want to know how we're we going to have the sequel and everything, and and I just simply tell them that you know we're going to start off the sequel the way the film ended where the police is coming after him. And then we take it from there. But there is going to be a little twist in the, in the sequel where, again, you know, me being my indie love and, 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 and being this, this unconventional control of my project, you know, I, I like to take risk and everything. We, we are going to be touching in another storyline that uh, will also be a cool thing, you know? So, but you know the main thing here is that um, he needs to get his heart back. Okay, and without knowing the plot, I just want to throw this out there. I want at least one scene where this guy's riding a horse. If you can make that happen. <laughs> Why is that? Is that is that something you you just the idea of? I think I'm taking it back to like Stephen King's Dark Tower series. You know, the idea of kind of uh, infusing the mystical with like the the old cowboy kind Don't of. Let- it is. Don't let him trick you. He has this fantasy of like leaving civilization and living like in the woods somewhere. Hey, look, you know, <laughs> it would be awesome to have that zombie on a horse. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, I don't see that. Why not? You know, uh, that's going to have to be put in my bucket list of zombie with a shotgun in, in there and say, can we get a horse? You know? So, uh, hey, it, it is a um, it is a cool thing. Uh, now that you put it, my, put it in my mind, that is a really cool thing. New York has horse police. You could have like a like a police horse chase. <laughs> I mean that. I mean we we definitely the budget up so high. <laughs> yeah, I know. We definitely want a police shootout. Absolutely, that that is something, and the fans are 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 screaming for, and uh, that looks like that that will be fulfilled. Horse thing, uh, it'll be a little bit tricky, but I like it. I like nice. it. <laughs> if if you have time, if you have time. <laughs> so, just a couple more questions I didn't even have on the list, but now that we're talking about it. What would you say is your favorite or top three zombie movies? Since we're talking about a zombie movie, oh, um, um, my God, I forgot. There is one zombie film that I really like, and I keep on forgetting the name. And it was done by the director who did um, Descent, Doomsday. Okay, I know that one. Which is funny, right? Because you really don't even see zombies. It's like one of the, the, to me, one of the best zombie films that you don't even really see a zombie, which is funny. I mean, I think at the, at the very beginning you see them and everything, but I, I love that whole concept of just 
They were already zombies, but they were just so immune that they became, you know, that's how they were. I, I like that one. Of course, you know, Night of the Living Dead is always going to have to be there um, on the list. I mean, you can watch that anytime. And I would say, um, yeah, well, you know, no one's ever, you know, so funny. You asked me a couple of questions. That I, I'm surprised that no one's, because no one's never asked me what's your favorite zombie film, which is really funny. And uh, here you go asking me my top three. I do like Night of the Living Dead, of course. You have to put that there. And I would have to say Return of the Living Dead. Okay. That's the ones that popping my pop my head. Well, I think Night of the Living Dead, the whole George Romero canon is kind of like its own movie. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of hard to, you know, separate those. Um, all right. And and this one is a little trickier, but what would you say is your I don't want to say least favorite zombie movie, but what's a movie you watched that you felt had a lot of potential and then let you down? It could be a zombie movie, it could be you know, a movie you took lessons from maybe as a filmmaker? Wow. Uh, I never even thought about that one. See, Kyle, I told you these degrees would come in handy. <laughs> yeah, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, you know what? I can't really even think of uh, uh, that. Oh, oh, yes, yes. I got one? Yep. You know why? Because I, I, I have a Halloween cup. <laughs> and the Halloween number six, when they were in that reality TV, uh, do you remember Halloween Six? Oh, that was that was Halloween Resurrection, the one with Busta Rhymes doing Kung Fu. That had potential, mm-hmm. you know. Having the, that were in reality TV, I just had so much potential to be such a great idea during that time of reality TV. Mm-hmm. It just tanked. Mm-hmm. That one barely even touched on Michael Myers, really. Yeah, like he was a minor character. Yeah, and I and I just I I, I think it has to be that. Um, I think the casting was completely wrong. And um, I just felt like it was just, they, they, it, it was a, such a cool storyline, could have been much better. I was disappointed. Yeah, they took a lot of weird initiatives in that one. And I think that's the least talk about movie. Like, no one really talks about it. I mean, everyone talks about one through six, one through five, and then. Or H2O, even. Yeah, people talk about H2O. And then that one is just leaves out. And I just think that that. That was the one that I was just like, oh, man, such a great uh, premise of, of spending time in, in the Michael Myers house. And Well, have you seen the, uh, the new Halloween movie? I haven't watched it yet. Yes, I watched all, all the Halloween movies, even the trailer that just came out. Yeah. They, they just made a big announcement that Blumhouse, who took over Halloween, he's going to do the same exactly thing where he's going to take Exorcist after the first one 40 years later to now. Well, that could be good. And you, and you have to forget about the sequels. Yeah, we were actually just talking the other day about how the sequels for The Exorcist were terrible. <laughs> so let's get back to this one for a minute. I, I do have uh, one more question, and it's about the animated sequences in this movie. Now, they were actually pretty funny. Like, they were pretty, pretty entertaining. Um, and, you know, I, I like the fact that it was, it was a very uh, simplistic drawing style. We're both artists, so we, we like to look for that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, it was like, let's convey this idea with the least lines possible. And it still reads really well. But, um, and I can totally understand for the bunny submarine thing, just because where are you going to get a Russian submarine Yeah, and film underwater? But I guess, what was the purpose of filming the house raid scene in the animated style rather than just doing it uh, live action? Okay. Um, well... One of the reasons was that um, what the location that we had for the the shootout scene 
we ran out of time. And we only had one day to shoot. And there was one location we were going to use. And when we got to that location for the shootout, the floors wasn't safe. It was sort of like a drug, like one of those meth houses. Okay. And yes, and a friend of mine who was uh, had it under uh, uh, renovations for real estate also. We went and um, tried to see it and it didn't, didn't work out. But we did shoot the scene. We, we did shoot the scene. It was, you know, because now you're bringing back, now you're making me think and bring me back to that whole day that we shot, which was sort of very indie filmmaking. When I remember arriving, the character, one of the main characters said that he had to leave in a certain time. And so we had to switch one of the killing scenes, which didn't work out. And that's why he was the guy that was supposed to do it. So one guy leaves early and we didn't have him on the floor as a shootout so we if we try to shoot the angles where's the dead guy he's not even there because he left so mm-hmm. we shot all these scenes and we just noticed there was so many different things that were sort of like missing and we said okay we're going to put some visual effects in this whole scene and see how it would work but then the whole comical thing was that when he pulls out the guy's skull that was comical. Oh, that was funny, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So when you go in live action, right? When we sh- when you when you watched it before the animation, when you watched it, you looked at it and you said, "Oh man, that's such bullshit," right? Like it kind of it was weird. So I said, "You know, what would be really cool about that if you don't you it would get away you would get away with it if we put that into a transition to an animation scene with the whole skull and everything." So one of my favorite things I really liked was a long time ago, MTV did this thing called uh, Liquid TV. Um, and and li- the Liquid TV was these, I don't know if you guys remember, these little segments of animation here. Like Eon Flux was one of them. Mm-hmm. Max was one of them. Yeah. They had all these different little series. And one of them was called Stick Figure Theater. And one of my favorite ones there, and this is a while back, we're going like maybe 25 years. One of my favorite ones was... Uh, Night of the Living Dead. And this guy drew a scene with the same actual sound from Night of the Living Dead. And he reenacted with stick figures. And he drew it. And it was one of my favorite nice. scenes. And you can look at it. You can Google it. Stick figure, Night of the Living Dead. Yeah, when you Google MTV stick figure theater, it's the first one that pops up. <laughs> okay, you saw it just now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I said, let me try to see if I could find Robin Steele who created that. I found him. I sent him messages in a couple of weeks. He was like, hey, what's on your mind? I said, I, I need you to do a stick figure, you know? And then he says, I don't do that anymore. So it was just so funny. So we got on the phone and dude, let me tell you, that guy was awesome. He was great. He loved the whole idea of the bunny rabbits and everything. He was like, this is so out of the world I, that I have to do it. He's uh-huh. like, I have to do it. That's cool. <laughs> He was doing all corporate work, and he said that he had never got the chance to go back to do stick figure theater, that sort of style, that sort of like creative. And he said that he's no, he hasn't done creative stuff in years. So he said a project that, like this that comes to him, it's something that it just made him feel, you know, like wow, I have my freedom and I could do this again. So we we talked about the scene, and one thing he said is that he didn't want to do it too stick figurey. 
He wanted to do this little elaborate a little bit more than what he did in MTV. And I was cool with it. Mm-hmm. And that's how the whole animation scene came upon with me remembering one of my favorite stick figure. And it was just great that me being a fan of this guy's work to be in my project was just so awesome. You know, just to have that, you know, it was just, just, it, it was just awesome. And, and, it, and it, you know, it, it is one of the highlights of the, of the project. It may be the highlight of the film and, and that's okay. You know, whatever uh, people can take from the film and, and remember that, that I don't, you know, that's, that's just awesome. And, uh, we are going to bring back um, Robert Steele and uh, the animation back into the sequel. Cool. Animated title sequence or just like in the actual it's story? It's going to be in the actual story. Yeah. Cool. I mean, it's one of those things that sounds really strange. Like, okay, the movie's going to be animated now. But like, oddly enough, when you're watching it, it doesn't seem weird even a little bit. It's just like, okay, we're animated now. But like the way it transitions actually seems kind of seamless. Yes, yes. That has to do a lot with uh, um, with Robin. He figured it out, saying this is where we, we morph it. And I was like, oh, okay, that sounds like about right. Um, we just knew it was around the, the, the skull uh, part of... Um, and I, I think it was right, too. Um, um, I wish there was more of the skull pulling out. Um, we, ran, we ran out of blood, man. I mean, these things... <laughs> these just things just happened instead. And, and it was just damn, and you know, I mean, like, I wish we had more. We just ran out of blood, and I was like, "Oh my god," you know. But yeah, I mean, um, definitely there will be a more um, more bunny rabbits and more animation in in the in the next one. That's actually a good idea for a movie, like a director who freaks out because he doesn't have enough blood, so he like slits the grip's throat or something, <laughs> and goes, "Okay, film it now." Yeah. So since you already do like web series and stuff. Have any any talks about doing like an animated web series where it's like the whole thing's done that way? We did just the bunnies. We did. We, that is funny. Robin and I we talked about doing a whole stick figure Zon with a shotgun animation. And you know, at the end of the day, man, it's all about money. Um, mm-hmm. And he said, "Hell yeah!" And he just said, "You just you know." He said, "Look, I'm just the artist. You come with the funds." You come with the stories, and I'll do it. And he goes, I would do it in a heartbeat. And, you know, it's always in my back of my mind, but, you know, it's just, it would be awesome. Uh, I'll draw you up a movie poster for free if you want. Just tell me what's, what should be on it. I'm assuming the zombie <laughs> on a horse would be, like, in the foreground. If you nail that shit, we would have <laughs> to put the zombie on the horse. If you could nail a fucking poster with the zombie with a shotgun, on that horse, we would have no choice to shoot that scene. <laughs> All right, challenge accepted. I'm telling you because the poster speaks for a lot, you know. Uh, and you know, when we even when we did the poster, the poster was such a kick-ass poster. I was like, oh shit, I don't know, we're gonna live up to this poster, but you know, it's like we we, we gotta get zombies. <laughs> we don't even have you know the, the you know the, the story doesn't even have the zombies now. We have to wait till the sequel for the zombies. But yeah, no, that that is uh that is that is cool. Um, and it's just how amazing how the whole um you know, zombie with a shotgun came together. And, uh, you know, I, I tell a lot of people that, you know, um, and I tell them the truth that I've never even, in, even, uh, I would never, if you told me that this thing would be still talked about and how it grew to what it is now, I would tell you, I would never even think in a million years it would happen. It just, it's just one of those things that just from the very first episode, it went viral and I just could not look back to it. And I've done other projects and everything like that. And I've always said to myself, you know, Zion with a shotgun is just going to 
you know, one of those projects I did and it's going to die out. It's never, you know, just those are one of my projects I've done in the past. It just keeps on and keeps on and, and just people just, and it grew from the, the web series, then the comic books, and then people wants to feature. And then you think it's over and then people still send me, hey, when are you doing the sequel? When is this? When is that? So I feel like there was definitely a responsibility, you know? I mean, how many how many people could be lucky to have a project that go viral and then, you know, take that and keep on growing with it? So I, I, I had to, like I said, take that responsibility and not be foolish to say, to leave that hanging. I could have left that a long time ago. I could have said, hey, you know what? I don't want to do mm-hmm. it anymore. Um, but yeah, I, I, it just how, it's cool how it all, you know, how it all ran together and how it is now and how it's still continuing. So things on the horizon. I know you get this question a lot, but when realistically should anybody expect to see Zombie with a Shotgun Part 2? Oh. Ballpark figure. <laughs> I don't know. I would say, I would say that we would definitely start production no later than next year. If we wait for another year, I, mm-hmm. I would say that. Um, you know, we start a Patreon page, raising mm-hmm. monies and stuff like that. And I have to say, you know, um, I've had, we started this whole Patreon page a month ago, like uh, to be exactly June 1st. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's doing very well. And it's very interesting because there are some players that are stepping up to the plate that's saying, hey, what if I come in as one of you? the big investor or somebody's going to invest half of it. And I'm starting to see that a lot with, with a lot of people messaging me. And I think mm-hmm. that it could happen in the next five, maybe six months that somebody's going to say, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to fund whatever you need. 65% of the movie, 75% of the movie. And, and something just telling me there's a gut feeling that I think we have this project. We may be able to shoot in by the end of the year. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Well, we all look forward to it. And, uh, you know, again, I, people who have not seen Zombie with a Shotgun, I always tell them before you watch the feature film or, or, you know, the short series that's also on Amazon, you know, you could actually watch the very first episode if you Google Zombie with a Shotgun first episode web series and you're able to watch it on YouTube. And if you like that first episode, you'll like what you're able to see in the feature film. And so I just tell people watch that four minutes and change uh, episode and if they like it they they will like the feature as well so youtube and amazon are the place people can find this well yes you can watch the series also the series is combined together and amazon but if you just want to watch the first episode which is four minutes and i don't know like 25 seconds whatever they could just go and google mm-hmm. zombie with a shotgun web series first episode and they'll be able to get that first episode for free and they'll watch it and if they like it they can continue watching it all right cool So a very special thanks to Hilton Ariel Ruiz for joining us today to talk about his uh, 2019 film, Zombie with a Shotgun, currently available on Amazon. Any parting thoughts? Well, thank you so much again. And if you guys don't have an Amazon um, account, you could also watch a film for free on Tubi. I always forget about that one, but they actually have a lot of stuff. All right, cool. So... Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Beer to Be Roll and look for us anywhere you find podcasts. Check out our website, beer2beroll.com, for info and links to merch. And remember to email us with ideas and suggestions at beer2beroll at gmail.com. And check out our Discord. Are there any socials that you can you want to plug? Absolutely. I'm usually on Twitter. So if you guys want to send me a message and follow me, I follow you back. I will message you. I, I'm that guy. I'm not going to, you know, I'm no celebrity. I'm not going to follow. I will follow you back. Even if it takes a couple of days, I will. 
You can ask me a question, anything about Zombie with a Shotgun, and that's on Zombie W-A Shotgun. That's my Twitter account. And I also have my personal account, which I'm also on Twitter on a daily basis, just like with the Zombie account, which is Hilton Ariel Ruiz. Instagram slash Zombie with a Shotgun. YouTube slash Zombie with a Shotgun. Facebook slash Zombie with a Shotgun. And go on and on and on. All the social medias are all the same. But the <laughs> one that I'm always on is a Twitter account and Instagram, gotcha. you know, every other day. All right, great. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat, man. Likewise. Thank you guys so much.